This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Everybody, to another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Auburn is back on the road this weekend for the second straight week playing the Arkansas Razorbacks. And the season is almost about closed out in terms of the regular season getting set here to keep rolling through November. And we bring our good friend Paul Feinbaum back on the show today. Our publisher, Ronnie Sanders, is also joining us. And Paul, I mean, it's week 11, and I I just I feel like there's really no other sport out there that goes by as fast as college football does because it seems like just yesterday we were previewing the season, what, you know, June or July, and, uh, and all of a sudden everything flies by. Well, the actual season is, is the shortest. Uh, it, it, I, th- I, th- it, I agree with you. When you travel every week, you kind of count at one, two, three, and all of a sudden you're at 11, and the next thing you know, it's over. But – uh, I think it's because there's so much happening. Uh, it's not like the NBA where they take a week off or whatever they take a week off for. Um, it, but it also essentially starts at media day. So you have that long buildup. Um, but I, I, I think it's been a remarkable year. When we talked last, Auburn was heading to A&M. There was such a bright hope for A&M and Auburn wasn't sure what it had. I think Auburn's probably fared a little better, uh, at least in terms of which way the signals are, are pointing. Uh, on a, uh, how do you think in Hugh Freeze's first year, considering the mess he inherited, uh, what do you think so far? Ronnie, I, I'm mostly impressed with what Hugh Freeze has done. I felt, as we talked before the year, that you know, getting to a bowl game would be good. Uh, seven or eight wins would be coach of the year. Uh, area for him, and and I think I think that's about where we are right now with a chance. I mean, the schedule was always front loaded, and you know, I think the Cal game was was critical, uh, and then trying to steal a game down the stretch. And I think we're, we are facing that game where Auburn has to steal. Uh, I think I think mostly it's gone pretty much according to plan, and I. I mean, I, I, I don't I'll, I'll defer to you guys who are far more experts on the offensive coordinator and the, the controversy there. I mean, I, I don't waste a lot of time in terms of making decisions whether coaches should come or go. And 
I felt like a couple of weeks ago that change should have been made. But uh, I, I, I like what Hugh has done. Uh, and I, I think he's made the most out of the least. What do you think? Um, you know, obviously, I always got three games left. Um, you had Arkansas at Arkansas, um, New Mexico State, and Alabama at home. So uh, New Mexico State's better, but you got to think Auburn's going to win that game. I mean, you know, do you see Auburn winning at Arkansas? Do you see them uh, playing well against Alabama and Jordan Hare? I mean, what do you what do you see the rest of the way? Yeah, I mean, right now, uh, Ronnie, I think the worst thing that could have happened to Auburn was Arkansas winning a game because uh, I think they have some confidence now and. Uh, they're really uh, – they're not a bad team. They're not a great team. Uh, but but I think they're now a team that feels like, okay, we just did something nobody thought we could do. Let's do it one more time and however many more times uh, you have to do it. So uh, I, I'm probably leaning a little more in the Arkansas way this weekend. Uh, I think I think Alabama is always – I mean, I, I'll spare you the history of the game. You both, you both know it. Um, there's no reason why that game two years ago should have ever gone the way it did. So as a result, uh, I think that was a better team, better Alabama team than this team. So I, but probably also a better Auburn team. Um, but I, I do think there's some unpredictability ahead. Speaking of Nathan, you want to, you want to jump in? I was just going to get your take Paul on, I think Pittman is just kind of an interesting case this year because I think everyone wants to make a coach's situation out to be black or white. They're either on the hot seat or they're completely safe. I just, I've yet to necessarily, and I haven't, I haven't dove in headfirst with our Arkansas network yet this week, previewing the game, but just kind of your take on, on Sam Pittman. I mean, they, they lose six straight games. Obviously they weren't great last year. They're seven and six. Things really look like they could have been down in the dumps, but they get that win. They have an opportunity here. I don't know if they'll go to a bowl game, but Five and seven for Arkansas. I know their expectations aren't through the roof, um, but do you think he's he's completely safe to be back at Arkansas next season? Right now, I do. Um, Saturday could change that, but I, I thought I thought he had to win. Some, he he just had to do something to give fans reason to believe, and he's extremely well liked. Now, why does that matter? Uh, because it's harder to fire a guy uh, that the fans relate to that that feel good about. Uh, that even though they may question his coaching from time to time. But I think the fact that he fired Dan Enos and followed it up with a win is, is, is tremendously in his favor. Now, he's also the guy that hired Dan Enos, but we tend to forget that. We always say, man, what a great move that was. Um, but I, I, I feel right now he's going to skate by. And, and I, I, I hope he does. Uh, I, I don't uh, like that many coaches. In, I mean, I, because you try not, you try to, you try to have a distance. Uh, but he, he is probably one of the most genuine people I've met in this industry, and uh, there's that—that that is a rare thing you say about head football coaches, Ronnie. I know you're not going to tell the truth here, but I know you agree with me. Hundred <laughs> percent. Talking about last week's game, you know, they played Florida. Um, obviously, Billy Napier, Scott Strickland. Talk a little bit about that situation. Well, uh, I have. I have a lot of friends who just keep telling me Billy Napier is going to turn this thing around and Billy Napier is a great guy and what a great decision it was to hire him. And, and I keep asking, well, I haven't seen it. Uh, and they keep telling me, well, they're close. And I keep saying, well, they just got, they just lost Arkansas at home. Um, so I, I think for Napier, 
he he gave back a game that he literally stole from South Carolina about three weeks ago. And I realize you guys aren't following all these off 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 middle middle of the day games at uh, while you're while you're at another game. But that was really important. But he gave it back. So what does he have now? Uh, he's got a trip to LSU loss is a trip to Missouri. Can we also three say loss? Uh, and, and then he's going to roll the dice uh, three weeks from now. He is literally going to have to beat Florida State uh, to get to a bowl game. And I, I think if he if he lands at five and seven, I think the powers that be will meet and probably probably decide to keep him for one more year. Um, that's always that impossible decision. Do you uh, do you gamble? Do you do you, do you, do you take a chance on? Uh, on keeping him and, and being in the same spot a year from now. They were, that, that's what happened with Dan Mullen a couple of years ago. That's what happened with Brian Harson after one year. Uh, or do you just make a change? To make a change, you've got, you better know what you're doing. And uh, I think that's the hardest thing in the world right now is to have that coach ready to go when, you just got, when you've already made, just gone through a change. And uh, you have a new president there. I think that, that favors Napier surviving. Yeah, I mean, you don't – It's. I feel like – I think I'm looking at the records, him and Harson between two years, Power Five and, and SEC, not too far off. But you mentioned, Paul, that feeling like he would probably be able to skate by. I think recruiting has a lot to do with that as well. And that's something that was, that was never in play for Brian Harson. And it's almost the complete other end of the spectrum. Florida has the number three class in the country for 2024 right now. So I feel like, like you said, you know, the, 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 the power is kind of making that decision let's talk again next year sort of thing when you can bring in a lot more talent on the roster, but and, you probably, Nathan, I think what you have to watch on recruiting and you guys follow it very closely. I know mm-hmm. is what you have today. And is there any slippage between now and the end of the year? If you end up losing what, uh, four, it will, how many games in a row will they, will they have lost? I'm trying to keep count, uh, five straight at the end or four straight. Uh, four, five, yeah. yeah. So, that, that's a terrible way to end the season from a recruiting standpoint. But I, I think Florida is rich enough in terms of what it offers that they'll, they'll skate on that. And, you know, I, I don't see a win in this next group, but uh, a win would secure him. I, I Let's just go ahead and say he's back. I guess the other question is, assuming he is back or he's not back, who makes the next hire? Does, with a new president, does Scott Strickland survive? Uh, the people that I talk to, are not sure that he gets to hire another coach. Well, I think <laughs> I think that's one reason why he will be back this year. Um, and, and then you see uh, what happens next year, though. And the schedule we know we know their schedule It's brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they they ended up with one of the worst schedules uh, of anybody. Uh, and by the way, we, we we don't know when all these games are, but we're we're going to find out in December. And I'm already hearing some crazy stories. I mean, you, you, there's just some some of the places where you normally had bye weeks. You're playing a tough road game. It, get ready for a lot of screaming in, in mid-December. But, uh, but but as far as Scott Strickland is concerned, he's well liked, highly respected in the industry. Um, yeah, but but you know you are what, what was the old uh, Bill Parcells line about? Uh, you know you are what your record says you are. It's, I, I kind of hate it, but ads are what they're football coach says they are and you know, he hired Dan Mullen and now he's hired Billy Napier. Well, I think, you know, and, and Florida fans notoriously, and I've lived it as you remember, um, you know, two and a half seasons. Um, we had three really highly ranked recruiting classes. Um, but 
you know, Jeremy Foley knew what he wanted to do. He had a new president then, and uh, they go out and hire Urban Meyer and yeah. works out. Right, Ryan, tell me this, though. I, I think when things are going poorly, there's no worse fan base in America than Florida when it comes to eating eating their own. It's absolutely. You know, Auburn and LSU were pretty close, but yeah. Florida's, pretty, Florida's I mean, pretty, pretty rough. And the difference, I think, I mean, LSU has, I mean, both Auburn and LSU have great tradition, but Florida uh, has had little pockets of greatness, and mostly they've been in the wilderness, but they but they, they, they believe that they should, they are on the same level as Alabama, LSU, Georgia, mm-hmm. and the fact that Georgia is doing so well just eats at them. So I, I think it's, I think it's a safe call right now, but it, don't, uh, don't go out there and get just, just pasted in one of these last three games. Which I think they could. No, easily. Um, talk a little bit about Mississippi State. <laughs> Do we have to? <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of jobs that potentially could open. There are also a lot that, you know, you could, you could end up with, you know, not much at all, but. Well, in defense of Zach Arnett, I'll just go ahead and say this. Uh, he was hired under one of the worst set of circumstances I've ever seen. Uh, not, not about him, but just, to, you know, you lose a coach. Uh, you're, you got vultures coming in trying to steal all your players and you don't have a long time to make a decision. You, so he was given the, the keys, and I think the, the leadership at Mississippi State was hoping that he would keep the car on the road. He hasn't. Uh, and Saturday night against Kentucky uh, was nothing short of a disaster. They, they were blown out at home by, by really a, a middling team, guys. Uh, Kentucky has done very little lately. Uh, after a promising beginning. And th- from what little I saw of the game, they didn't look well prepared. They didn't look well coached. And that spells problems. Uh, they have, they're at A&M this weekend. Probably a loss. Southern Miss at home. A win. And then the Egg Bowl. It, it's going to come down to the Egg Bowl. And I'm not suggesting they have to beat Ole Miss which they did last year. But if that game gets away from them, I think so will Zach Arnett's job. I think the other thing at Mississippi State is, you know, Auburn was hiring Joe, was was hiring Cohen. Um, and so you had a lot of turmoil at Mississippi State. And I think they were just trying to keep their class together. Yeah, and don't forget, uh, Zach Selman, the athletic director, came in after the hire. Right. And uh, – I don't know if you guys know Zach, but, uh, you know, he's kind of a different breed. Uh, you know, there, there are a couple of baseball coaches in the SEC. Their ADs, Ray Tanner and, and John Cohn. There are a couple of institutionalists like Strickland, Greg Byrne, uh, you know, Ross Bjork. But, but Zach comes from a, a really a, a different world. Uh, he, he spent most of his career at Oklahoma, fam- part of a famous family. And uh, he's he's very 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 young and very ambitious. And what does every AD want to do if they can? Hire a new football coach. Hire a new football coach. Hire a coach to build facilities. Yeah, and uh, you know he's well thought of. I mean, a lot of people think he'll be the next AD at at uh, Oklahoma. Wow. Paul, you know we've talked a little bit about Arkansas here, um, and I think after this game, there will obviously be a ton of look ahead because. That's the case annually for both of these schools. Every, you know, both schools get their pre-Iron Bowl tune-up game, but everybody's just looking 
to the Iron Bowl. So I wanted to talk a little bit about Alabama and kind of how that matchup looks right now because, look, the last time we talked, you mentioned it, it was week four. Alabama, A, they had just lost to Texas, and then B, they went on the road to USF, and I think it was 3-3 in the third quarter. So things were not going very well for them. What have you kind of seen out of their development over the course of the season? I know you're going to get eyes on them again this Saturday. Um, I just, you know, what can you say about the job that they've done sort of turning things around, and how do you see that game kind of going in the Iron Bowl? Yeah, I think it's been one of the most remarkable turnarounds I've seen under Nick Saban. Well, first of all, there aren't many turnarounds under Nick Saban. Um, So the base point when when we talked after after that South Florida game, that felt like a loss. Uh, and everyone had to pause and, and I told you guys, you know, what my observations and they were, they were fairly negative, but we're 180 from there. Uh, you know, and it's all about defense. I think, I mean, I know Jalen Milrow is getting tremendous praise. He's national quarterback of the week and all the things that, that are fantastic for your resume. But if you look at their big games, uh, Ole Miss, LSU, Tennessee, Texas A&M. I mean, they have suffocated teams in the second half. I mean, nobody scored uh, maybe three points, seven points. And, and they've, been, they've been dominant, and that's how they're beating people. And this is very old school, uh, whether it's Kevin Steele, Nick Saban, uh, T-Rob. I don't, I, don't know who's, I don't know who's in charge of that defense, quite frankly. But whoever is is doing an amazing job. And Milrow has matured and played a lot better. I think uh, Tommy Reese has finally quit trying to start Tyler Buckner. Um, and if, if Alabama wins a national championship, and they're certainly within realm, I mean, that, that's going to be one of the all-time trivia questions. Who started the third game of the season and what happened to him afterwards? And have we ever seen him since? Speaking of guys that deserve a lot of credit, what about Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri? He, uh, I, I mean, if you if you freeze a moment in time, Ronnie, a couple of seconds remaining in the Kansas State game when he inexplicably gets called for delay a game and turns a 56-yard field goal into a 61, I'm not sure I would have expected him to be back after the season. I agree. Uh, it was that close. And that field goal, and then he, then, then he, then he dials up a, a fake, I think it was a fake punt, against South Carolina that turned that game around. And, and suddenly they're, they're a really good team. And I, I mean, I, I think he's already got, he's already in the house now with a big year, whether, he, whether they beat Tennessee or, or, or slide home uh, with the remaining games. Uh, they've got Florida waiting on you guys here, but um, you know, one, one of those coach of the year candidates, uh, I mean, I, I'm really not hung up on who wins coach of the year, but uh, you know he'll, he'll be in the running. What do you think about Jane Beamer's long-term future at South Carolina? How does that? Uh, he's well-liked. Uh, he talks a great game, but I could live without some of the antics. Uh, I think he's, he, he's, he's a coach that literally does not know how to keep his mouth shut. Uh, and you know, it started this season. He, he was making fun of the chain crew, uh, at the first game against North Carolina, uh, even though they lost the game, he's talking about, you know, we, we came out there for the second half. Where were they? They were eating hot dogs. Uh, he was complaining about something else. Remember in the game when, uh, he ended up breaking his foot afterwards. Uh, 
he after the Jacksonville State game, he said, Let, you know, great win, guys. Let's go celebrate. You just beat Jacksonville State. I mean, I, I realized, you know, maybe, maybe he grew up admiring Rich Rodriguez, but uh, things have changed. Um, I just think this has been a bitter disappointment this year. And, uh, I mean, I, I would have told you uh, maybe a couple of months ago that he might be the next coach of Virginia Tech because of his family lineage. But right now, I, I don't think he's interested in leaving. I really I think he loves where he is. Uh, the fans still like him. And here's why. Unlike Auburn, unlike Alabama, their expectations are seven or eight wins. Uh, they're not hung up on on doing what others have done. And, he, and what he did a, a year ago in beating Tennessee and Clemson back-to-back was probably going to last him a couple of years. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. I think the biggest question going around the conference is A&M. What's going to... I was wondering why we took so long to get to that. (laughs) I thought we'd leave the best for last. Let you unload on him. Yeah, I I think there... uh, I've... I've interacted a and a couple of times this year. Uh, I was out there for the Auburn game. I was with A&M people recently, uh, past, last week in, in Oxford. And I still don't feel like they're ready to pull the cord on Jimbo. Um, but, you know, if you, let's look at the schedule for a second. I think that's where you always start. Uh, they've got who, – who is this week? Is it uh, Mississippi State? Mississippi State. Mississippi yep. State. And then – I think uh, yeah, Central Arkansas. Yeah, so 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 I think they'll win. I think they'll go into to Baton Rouge on the final weekend. You know, either finishing seven and five or eight and four. I think eight and four they they take it right now and and, and go home. Uh, seven and five. I think he's right on the cut line. Um, today, I think he's going to survive. Um, for, for some of the reasons I've said earlier, except you add in $76 million buyout and then maybe, and what, and what is it going to cost to bring in a whole new staff and who are you going to bring in? Um, and I, I think they're really stuck and uh, fans are despondent. Uh, 
but uh, on the other hand, I think had Connor Wegman stayed healthy, they would have won a couple of these games. I mean, I, so you always need a narrative if you're if you're on the verge of getting fired, and he's got one. I guess my question is, you know, he's had one good year. You know, I mean, they hired him to win a national championship. He went nine and one during the COVID year. Uh, and other than that, it really hasn't been very good. No. He's been terrible. I mean, right? I, I mean, his road record is, is abysmal. And you know, I think they're really stuck at a point right now where they just really don't know what to do. This isn't Florida where there's still some newness uh, or Mississippi State when the circumstances or even South Carolina where there's been some success. Uh I don't know how to get around. Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M has been a colossal failure. Uh, tell me, tell me uh, how it hasn't been. Um, and I think what they're going to do is roll the dice on next year and say, okay, we're, we're, we've been close. We've, uh, we've, we've almost – Almost done this and almost done that, and and they they're in every game. I mean, I think that's important. They were you know they they lost to Alabama, Tennessee, <coughs> Ole Miss, pretty much final possession, and I I think that's what keeps coaches alive. And with Texas in the SEC next year, with uh, a clean slate, I, I think they'll gamble on one more year. You know, A and M's had they've under for decades. Yeah. Um, how does that job compare to, you know, there's six teams that have, six schools that have won every conference championship since, what, the 60s. Um, how does that job compare to those six, Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Texas and Oklahoma? I mean, how good a job is it? I know they've got a lot of money, but. Ronnie, I, I think that I think it's a great job uh, for the reasons you laid out. I mean, there's nothing wrong. The only thing wrong with the job is tradition. And you can overcome tradition. They're not they haven't been able to, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, but I know a lot of people that would like that job because, you know, the facilities are incredible uh, there. You have a passionate fan base. And there's simply no excuse for losing, except they keep losing. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it, I mean, there are certain schools like that where you just simply cannot understand why they don't win. And I think A and M would be at the top of that list. Florida was like that, you know, before Spurrier got there. Yeah, exactly. Florida had never done anything other than Charlie Pell's years, which you know were, which they, they went down in smoke. Well, they were cheating. <laughs> I think you just have to. I, I think you. Ha, I think you. You have. If, if this a year, I, I think if they let's let's just for the sake of argument, if they fired Jimbo Fisher this year, where do they go? And I think you have to think about that, and you have to have a plan. And I don't. I'm not saying that. I mean, I don't want to say they don't have a plan. If you're if you're the AD there, you always have a plan. I mean, you, you know, you know a lot of ADs, Ronnie. They're not sitting. He's not sitting around going. Oh, I have no idea. I mean, I'm, every every AD has a list, mm-hmm. and it's just, I. It's not a matter of money 
because the money they, they can find the money. And you know, what is it 76 this year and 65? It, it doesn't matter. I mean, these are these are billionaires out there. It's just a matter of what do we do? And the one thing that may be going in Jimbo's favor, it's, it's a minor thing, but I think it's always important. And you guys saw it at Auburn. You know, you got a president that that made a terrible decision. Then you had a president that made a good decision. Um, they, they have an interim president. He's a retired general. And, and right now, that's a guy, and I say this because – I'm just, I'm just guessing that's a guy that probably doesn't want to go through uh, the scorn of the national media asking the question, why did you fire a guy and pay him 60, $75 million? I mean, what, what did he do wrong when you got guys like Jim Harbaugh surviving? So, I mean, it, it, on Jimbo's worst day, you know, he's quirky. Uh, he makes the incorrect decision at times, but I don't, I don't think anybody, you know, I don't think he's bringing a disgrace to the program. And I, I think you better have, you better have a better, I mean, I think to spend $77 million or whatever it is, I think you better have a better, you, you need a better reason than, well, he's just not winning enough games. I think the other thing is <clears throat> you talk about South Carolina and Beamer being well-liked. Um, Jimbo can rub people the wrong way. Um, and maybe there's some of that too. Um, but I think, you know, you make a point about where do they go? I mean, if I ask you, Ronnie, uh, give me, give me the, give me, give me the perfect candidate to replace I mean, I'm, uh, Jimbo Fisher. I, you, you may come up with a better choice than I do, but I don't have a good one right now. I, I don't either. And I think the, the other thing is, can A&M go pull what USC did, what LSU did? Yeah. And they go hire a big name because those things before last year, they re- they really didn't happen very often. Yeah, even Miami with like Cristobal. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think the bigger issue here is how do you get the right guy? Um, you go back the last five or six years. Uh, I, I would have thought six years ago Matt Rule would be a really good coach somewhere. Um, he went to the wrong franchise in the NFL, but he's he's but he made a lot of money. Uh, Cristobal don't understand that complete mystery. Uh, but you got a guy like Dan Lanning. Uh, I mean, he might be the hottest young coach in the country. Uh, and, you know, if you called Dan and offered him all the money in the world, why would he leave Oregon right now? Uh, I think he's got his eyes on a bigger job. Speaking of speaking of Oregon, and you talked a little bit about Harbaugh. Um, before we got rolling, we were talking a little bit about that. It's just a crazy situation over there in Michigan. I know we don't have a lot of answer, and that's obviously not SEC country, which is obviously what we focus a lot on on this show, but, um, you know, we're still kind of getting some answers, but man, I mean, what was your reaction to that, Paul? And I guess kind of, what do you make of, of that situation? Now, cause this, I mean, this could be the best team in the country this season. Yeah. When I heard it three weeks ago, I, I thought it seemed like the NCAA may be out to get Harbaugh, but that was just, that was a, that was 10 years ago. Uh, when you can, when you think about this one fact, when 13 football coaches get on, on, on a conference call with the commissioner and demand, action that tells you that this isn't a rush to judgment. Uh, these are guys that know what they're talking about. Everybody in the industry knows what's happening everywhere else. And I, I think the misnomer people have is everybody cheats. Everybody steals sign. True. But not to, not to do what they have done. And I've yet to hear Harbaugh 
blatantly and uh, and vehemently denied this allegation. He's given a bunch of nonsensical gibberish. Uh, to, to me, it seems like he, he it, whether he knew about it or not, he's still responsible. And I think a severe punishment has to has to be laid down. Well, and I, I think the other thing is how how would he not know about it? Number one, and number two, like like you said, I mean, look, we used to steal signals. I don't think there's anything. Um, you know, we had a guy during the game who would stand on when we were in Florida, he would stand on the sidelines and his job was to seal signals. Um, the difference is he wasn't going to games and scouting. No. I mean, that's and by the way, Ronnie, what, what that guy did is legal. You can steal signals. Mm-hmm. You just can't send a guy to go steal signals. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you just can't go to games and steal them, you know? Yeah. It's just part of the game to, to get, to get it. But yeah, yeah, coaches, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think uh, we, we do forget, as you said, Nathan, this may be the best team in the country. And if they keep winning, it, there's no way to wipe the uh, – I was explaining the, the story today. I said, I don't remember anything like this since 2010 when about this moment in time the story broke about Cam Newton. And, but a totally different situation, though. Uh, Cam Newton – you know, did the SEC, you know, get away, let him get away with it? Yeah, but I think the, the one part about the Cam Newton story is what would have happened had they declared him ineligible. I have a pretty good idea what would have happened. And it would have been one of the biggest disasters in college football history because there would have been lawsuits. Uh, there would have been uh, uh, protests. Uh, I think the integrity, uh, you know, they, they, they made a very measured decision with Cam and I think Auburn got away with a national championship, but the SEC and I think college football got away with, with without blowing up the system, whether you like the system or not, it, it, it prevailed. Well, especially after 2004. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I've always wondered if – I mean, I'm still waiting for the bag man to appear. <laughs> Speaking of bag man. Uh, make sure uh, before my last day on, on earth, let, let me tell you who the bag man was, because I do know. <laughs> speaking Ronnie, of you, yeah, I was going to say, speaking of bag man. By the way, I didn't say I believed that it was really a bag man. I just know who the bag man is supposed to be. <laughs> oh, jeez. Go ahead, Nathan. What were you going to say? No, so I was I was giving the floor to you. You said speaking of bag man, and then, and then you got to keep going from that. <laughs> Well, speaking of bagmen, um, can Kiffin sustain what he's doing? <laughs> can Kiffin sustain what he's doing? Uh, I think I think it's 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 always difficult. I mean, he he's on an amazing run right now. He's on the same run last year when it imploded, uh, and this you know he's got he's got a different type of team. Remember uh, all those great recruits, uh, quarterback uh, transfers he got in there. I haven't I haven't seen one of them yet um, because Justin Dart's been phenomenal. But this is uh, I think I mean Lane's always been a good coach. Uh, but you know, this may be his se- the season of his uh, life. That is the one that you were just talking about, A and M. And maybe I'm completely out of understanding here. But if something were to happen at A and M either this year or next year, wonder if Kiffin wouldn't be a guy because I think maybe he's close to that area of big name head coach. You swipe from another another pretty good program, or maybe I'm completely wrong. I agree. Uh, I mean, not to re- redo last November. But I think I think Kiffin looked at Auburn and wanted to go there because he felt it would give him a chance to compete with, with Saban, 
with Kirby. And, and I don't feel every time I say this, Ole Miss fans come out of the come out of the woods. But I don't think deep down he'll never admit this. Lane feels like he is on the same plane at, at Ole Miss, and and I think you know his roster speaks to it. He doesn't have the same players that Kirby and Nick Saban have. And he's done a great deal with them. And I think he 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 has had them before. I mean, he's been at Southern Cal, been at Tennessee briefly, and he's coached at Alabama. And he knows the difference. He knows he, he knows the difference in what the defensive line of Texas A&M looks like and Georgia looks like and Alabama looks like versus the one he has. It doesn't mean they don't play well. I mean, his, his guys overachieve. Yeah, we're going to see – yeah, he's got an opportunity this weekend. Yeah, and that's it's a tough opportunity, but he's he's got. But, yeah, here, here's where you why. I mean, if if they lose a close game, and I don't see them winning, uh, I think that will just inspire Kiffin even more. Going, hey, what with with a few more players, I could have won this game, and I don't I don't think that's going to happen at Ole Miss, and that's why he wanted to. Go, that's why initially he wanted to go to Auburn. Do you see him wanting to stay in the SEC or do you see him going back to the West Coast or where does he fit? I, I think he likes it. Uh, I, I think the SEC, I mean, everybody thinks it's about to get much tougher. Uh, I mean, it is going to get much tougher, but it's also going to get e- going to get easier to get to the playoffs. So, you know, you look at the schedules next year with Oklahoma and Texas and all these games that you're going to see losses. Well, you can you can lose three or four games next year if you if you're really good and, and if you have a tough schedule and get in the playoffs and I think that's what it's all about. It's not going to matter uh, when on the finals on the final Monday night of the year if, if your record is fourteen and four. Uh, nobody. It's going to be just like the NFL. Does anybody have any idea what the record of the Super Bowl champion is? No. Same way in college football starting next year. So I think Kiffin will. I think he likes it where he is. Yeah, and we talked about that all the way back in the off season of that's going to become another goal now. You know, you've got, you know, let's let's win our conference, let's get to a bowl game, whatever the ladder is for rebuilding a program. Now it's going to be, hey, how often can we contend for the yeah. 12 team playoff? And I know Freeze hasn't said it because he's not paying attention, you know, he's just paying attention to being better. But that's starting next year, maybe, depending on you know, that could be, hey, that needs to be our goal every single year. Somebody like Tennessee as well. Like it has to be. Yeah, you should be trying to get there every year. I mean, I, I have covered the sport a long time, as you guys know. Uh, next year will be the most intriguing year in, in sports history, at least in the modern era, I should say. Yeah. Um, and you know, not only in the SEC and the Big Ten, where everything is different, uh, but the playoff game, uh, you know, at what point, uh, you know, let's say, I mean, Alabama and Georgia next year are probably going to play in the first month of the season. We know they're playing games in Tuscaloosa. Alabama wins a game. Is it really? I mean, so what? Uh, Georgia's got one loss. It's a matter, and then it's a matter of just trying to hang it, hang around, and, and and make it up somewhere else. I mean, it's not going to be like it is right now, where you know we're not going to be sitting here if if you invite me back to and like like it was nine weeks ago with Alabama. I mean, it won't be. So what? They lost to Texas. Before we let you go, let me ask you one more question. Um, there's a lot. There's a debate. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're aware or not, but <clears throat> there's a debate, especially at Auburn, about you know college football's changed a whole lot 
last 15, 10 years. Um, <clears throat> should a place like Auburn um, claim national championships like 2004, like 1983? Um, a lot of people have, <clears throat> excuse me, have an opinion on 93, uh, even the ones before that. What, what's your take on um, on claiming things like that? I mean, is that is that something that's worthwhile or – yeah, I used to sit there as a columnist in Birmingham in the 80s and hear Alabama fans talk about the, the one in 42 when they when they came in third in the SEC or the 73 when they lost to Notre Dame in the Sugar Bowl or 64 when I mean, I, I was in Arkansas a couple of years ago and Jerry Jones was on our show. And I said to him, I said, you're, you're here. You're wearing a, a 1964 national championship ring. Do you realize Alabama won the national championship in 64? I thought the guy was going to take a swing. I was kind of hoping he would. Uh, I would have really done uh, – I would have, I would have been extremely uh, wealthy right now had, I, had Jerry Jones hit me. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm of the opinion, Ronnie, that they probably ought to claim it. It sounds great when you bring a recruit in and you see seven national championships on the wall as opposed to, what, three? Yeah, they claim two, right? I mean, yeah. 2010 uh, and 1957. And, yeah. you know, to me, I mean, 83, you know, 93, you're on probation. But 83 and 2004, um, I don't see a reason not to claim those. Hey, I, cover, I covered that team in, in 83. That team was the best team in the country. Uh, I mean, there's no way Miami would have beaten Auburn. Now, the problem is they beat them the next year in a kind of uh, – it undid, but but that was an amazing team by the end of the year. Um, you know, the 04 team, I think, I mean, can't Tuberville just go ahead and introduce a, a bill in, in, in the Senate <laughs> and declare Auburn the national champion in 2004? In I, I think he can. He, can, he pretty much can do anything else, so why I'm not? I'm no politician, but I, yeah. I, I call on Tommy to do that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you. it was, was it five or six years ago, Oklahoma State, remember, they, they claimed that national title. I have no idea the year or anything like that, but I don't, think, I don't know if you guys remember that. And they threw a parade and stuff, and they brought back some of the – and it was like you're saying, Paul, like there's no there's no downside to it. College sports is already just about celebration. And yeah. It's a, when, when you bring a kid on campus and he goes to Alabama and he sees – I don't know how – I swear I don't know how many – I mean, I've, I've done – I did a big expose on this years ago in my early days and – I can tell you, they have a couple of fraudulent ones, uh, but more than a couple. Some guy can Some sports information director at Alabama in the '80s decided to start counting them all, and it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I mean, I, I'm not going to get into the mass, the mass media, and, and how we all just accept whatever our, our favorite channel tells us to accept. But I think it's time for Auburn to say, you know what? Yeah, you know, we've won X number of national championships. Celebrate it. Uh, it may get you. I mean, if it, if it gets you that quarterback from California one day that yep, turns your program around, it was worth it. Yeah, it's like I, I thought about Oklahoma State because in Bedlam, they've got now one end zone has a big. Yeah. It's, it says 1945 national champions. I can't even remember if that's the one they reclaimed. Doesn't but matter. It could be and make them up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. You know, there's I remember the '88 team, the, the the '88 Auburn team. I mean, oh. Yeah, I mean they lost seven to six to LSU in the earthquake game, and I mean that may have been Dye's best team. Ronnie, I 
you know, everybody was there, but I was. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen a tensor game in my entire career. Uh, I mean, I, I had a, I was, I had a friend, uh, who this young lady who was an Auburn fan. I know I'm really dating myself talking about my dating years. Um, but I went to visit her at halftime cause she was, she, cause I hadn't seen her. I was, she and her family, they were big Auburn people. And, and I, I mean, it was a big, I was, you know, make a big commitment. I'm going to come down and you know, show you that I care. That's a, I got to her seat and she was numb. She literally couldn't speak. And I sat there with her for a few minutes in the third quarter. And, and I, I said, are you okay? She said, I can't, I can't talk. I mean, it was like the tensest game I've ever seen. Uh, I finally like said, I've had enough of this. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going back to the press box and grab a hot dog. Um, but and, and she wasn't the only one. You talk to people who were who were there from Auburn, and the way that game ended, I mean, it was heartbreaking. Uh, and uh, that team was amazing. Absolutely, I I'd count that one too. <laughs> well, on that note, Paul, I appreciate you being with us. Listen, yeah, it's been my you. honor to be on an Auburn podcast, uh, the school that's won 19 national championships. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul. We appreciate it, as always. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.